All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of our Less of a Man podcast. Um, I don't, I keep wanting to put a number on the episode, but I got to avoid that, man. You up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we up there. We making moves. Um, I want to thank you guys. Y'all threw me, uh, what's it called, Dashler? Dashler party? Yeah. I want to thank you guys for, for doing that. It was amazing, man. I got a bunch of plays. Didn't get the PlayStation 5, but I got... GameStop and, and PlayStation gift cards, but you know, I highly appreciate it. I want to thank you guys for for doing that for me. You know that's not our job, right? You know, exactly. What the PlayStation 5? Yeah. You ain't your job to do any of this, but you did. You have high expectations. <laughs> yeah. I'm just dude. trying to act I'm trying to act y'all wage. Hey, look at Daryl. The gifts you got are equivalent to the cost of a PlayStation 5. So if you want to go what ahead is- and cash in, <laughs> cash it in. Yeah, that's it. That's okay. I'm just saying that I didn't get all I'm saying is I didn't get a PlayStation 5. That's all I'm saying. But <laughs> let me start with the mental health check-in, EJ. We always start with you. Yeah, so no, this week was good. Um I mean, there's nothing really significant that happened this week. I'm still be on or keep my dad in, in your prayers um we're just trying to figure out what's going on with him he had a whole bunch of other things that were also concerned so just trying to stay uh, you know abreast of what's happening with my father and my mom because you know this year for them has been already a struggle but um other than that we're i was going behind your back and planning your bachelor party um secretively um with my wife with your way. wife of course and shamorg and shamorg was no help because he waited until like the last minute <laughs> but um that i mean nothing you know nothing too strenuous this week just you know doing my thing. I, hey I, I got a question why can you just call me and tell me to send you oh the gosh, money that's not even gonna why be- would you call shamorg like you literally, literally had a whole, had a whole text, text conversation call. and then i get a call from morg he's like Send Edward thirty dollars. He said, "Send him thirty dollars." I'm like, "Is this a part of the podcast? Like, what?" Oh, it will be because I'm being quiet right now and waiting for my mental. No, you're not going to be quiet. So, I'm like, I just text him. The funny thing about when y'all plan stuff, and it's always when y'all plan stuff away from me, like, and y'all have all these crazy stories about what happened between y'all three and planning this. So go ahead, Char. Your uh, <laughs> mental health check it. Go okay. ahead. So uh, I'll start with the good. Um, overall, good week. Um, just really in preparation to start my job tomorrow. So I was filling out a bunch of paperwork, um, going over and faxing um, paperwork. Um, got my, I guess you, my new used car. <laughs> I'm now part of the sixty plus black man coalition of having a Cadillac. Oh, uh, which I boys in a Cadillac. I didn't realize it was a thing, but apparently it is. So, like, I was at, I was getting my hair cut yesterday, and some random six year old guy walked up to me and said, "Yeah, you gotta know how to drive to have a Cadillac." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, I didn't realize." <laughs> so, so that was kind of interesting to kind of now be part of the stereotypical I drive a Cadillac uh, crew. So, I got to figure out how that how to deal with that because <laughs> I really was looking for. A car just to get back and forth to work. I really wasn't trying to go for style class or anything. So, so the new name got to be Pimp and C, man. <laughs> yeah, Pimp and C now. Yeah, so that's where we at. 
And he doesn't know how to drive that car because I was with him and we were literally going in my parking garage and it was terrible. Dude, on the road, he was going 20 miles per hour. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? I think I think a 60 year old dude kind of went to my body. So now I'm driving <laughs> and acting like a That's natural. That's not true. You drive. You drive slow all the time. I do drive slow though. I really and he do. doesn't know how to work it. I was like, like at one point, I said, "Dude, is this your first time ever driving before?" And I was like, "Dude, can we pull over and just let me drive?" <laughs> like, I have to get used to it. So, but so that's the good. The bad is having to plan this party with Edward because <laughs> I really tried. I really did. I feel like I did a good job of trying to be patient. With Ella, but y'all y'all know Ella have a click mouth. You always have something smart to say. So that just takes the conversation in a whole different direction in terms of dealing with stuff. I feel like I did all the things he asked me to do, but yet it still wasn't enough. <laughs> then meanwhile, him and Rodney got this side beef going on, and now I'm in the middle of him delivering messages like, Can you tell Rodney this? I'm like, Well, why can't you tell Rodney this yourself? It's like, so I don't understand. So it was a very interesting. Um, interact, having to deal with planning something for you, Daryl, with all the three of us, I guess. But I think in the end, it turned out to be a great event despite the headache that it took to get to the point of success. And the problem is, this isn't the first event y'all threw for me. This is the second, and it always ends up the exact same. So, uh, Raw, go ahead. Wait, I didn't even know wait, I didn't even know me ever had a side beef. Edward has something to say. Can I please clarify? Okay. okay so, for all of our viewers, as you know, Rodden and Shamorg are super close. Like literally they are twins that were never twins, but for some reason now they are like attached. Really? <laughs> I didn't realize that. Like to give you even more context, like if Rodden, is, if, if Shamorg is, call, is ta- calling you, he likely will be on the phone with Rodden and just threw you in without you even knowing that. That Rodden is true. Like that's that literally true. how it operates. So <laughs> the quickest way to get to Rodden is through Shamorg. So Ow, you don't have to worry about backlash. You don't have to worry about back talk. You don't have to worry about questions. Go through Shamorg. You're going to get it done. And that's just how it is. So it's easy to operate that way. And that's why I went through Shamorg to get to Rodan in that way. In I literally texted you just before he called me and told me this. <laughs> literally, like, I, I literally, like two minutes before Shamorg called me, I was texting you. You could have done it then. Who knows? You would have never, you might not have responded. You whenever I text you, you barely respond. So I don't really know what to do. So the quickest way to do that and to be assured that it's going to happen in a reasonable amount of time, Shamorg. So so why act like you weren't being petty? I'm petty Betty. That's that's me. (laughs) (laughs) But that not at that time. That time was not a petty Betty time. Okay. But but back to the bottom. Thank you for allowing me the time to clarify. Go ahead and give your mental Go health. Go ahead, Raw. Do your uh, mental health check-in. Uh, well, we started off a little stressful because I had to get something done. And I was like, that Shamorge was very, very entwined in. He was very engrossed in my um, my job this week. I was invested. He was very invested. invested. I was like, what, he's a, he was your partner? Like, nah, he, he, was very, he, was very, he was very invested in my job this week, man. You know, had to give him updates like every day of what was going on. Just like you know. Edward said, so Edward was on par with saying what he was, was saying. So go ahead. Now you see, I didn't say anything when Edward said that. <laughs> okay, I didn't say anything. But anyway, yeah. So um, that was the beginning of the week, and then the end of the week was pretty fine. And it was a good week. 
now I'm clear and good, and ready to go to Vegas next week, and um, no stress. You're going to Vegas? Vegas? Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Who are you going to Vegas yeah. for? He mentioned Vegas. birthday. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, no, listen. No, no. Um, so with my mental health, it started off started off real hectic for me because it's literally we recorded our podcast last week and then I go out and my wife's like, we gotta go to the hospital. And she's feeling super pain. We had to go. So as soon as we soon as we stopped recording, we went to the hospital and we thought that like I seriously thought they were gonna deliver the baby then. Um, because they thought she had maybe had appendicitis, but found out she didn't. And so now we're just waiting in the hospital. And we're waiting in the hospital. We had all day Saturday and then Sunday, they was like, we're going to do an ultrasound and then we're going to let you guys go. Ultrasound was done at 11. Doctor didn't come back to almost six o'clock that evening and just told her, hey, just take a Tylenol and y'all can go. So I'm <laughs> hot. I'm, I'm missed because I'm like, yo, it took it took seven hours for you to do that, for you to say that. So and then when I realized what I'm in a hospital is us males got it hard, man, during pregnancies. Got it hard, and we are the silent victims because I can't express how hard I got it. Ooh, Lordy. <laughs> in the hospital, nobody care about me. Nobody brings me food. I sleep on this hard couch. I am a victim, and I want to be. A, and then I express that to Shar, the stuff that I was going through. And you know what his response was? Suck it up. Nah, she was like, "Well, she's carrying your baby." Her body, like that's always the response to any time I say what I'm going through in this situation. It always goes to her. I'm gonna have to Kanye West you right now. Like I'm gonna have, I know you got the mic and all, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I believe you're not going down this road. Right now. <laughs> stop, stop. Please, while you're no, I'm not want to stop. <laughs> this is the the travesty that I can't express what I'm going through without being attacked. That's toxic masculinity right there. That I can't be attacked. And the funny thing is, wait till y'all go through it. I wanted to do an episode on it. Maybe not you. (laughs) But (laughs) wait till one of them go through it. I wanted to do an episode on it, but then it would just be three of y'all attacking me. And (laughs) so I was going to wait. I'm going to wait. Raw's about to get married. So when he starts a family, we'll see. And then you'll you'll be on my side once it happens. Daryl, I, I I would I would suffer in silence or of this. That's have, crazy. Have a fight, maybe have a fight club group where y'all can just quietly go into the basement and just complain. Why we got why we got this podcast then? The Keen Peel uh, episode where you know the guys are just talking and they like in a spill just mm-hmm. kind of giving their own. <laughs> why we got this podcast and we can't express the podcast was supposed to be about what black males go through. But this is a, a, a off topic. I mean, you can, you can do it if you want. Go for, go for it. Because nah, y'all won't jump in want. with me. You can do whatever you want. But remember, there's consequences to your actions. I'm just saying that it's still stuff that we go through. During, I'm not saying it's on par. And I'm not saying what they don't go through is hard. I'm just saying it's still stuff that we go through. No, yeah, touche. And I'm a victim. You go in the room. And I'm a victim. Well, woman's work and just cry in the corner somewhere. Hey, woman's work? No, I'm not doing that. It needs to be man's work. Man's work is what I need to. It's a hard ass couch. You ever did? It's a, the couch is hard. It's like 
fucking stone is what you laying on. Everything hurt when I woke up. <laughs> Everything. Oh, man. Huh? Because you didn't know. No, you need to. See, man, see, that's what I'm saying. Y'all ain't been through this situation. <laughs> so it's hard. To, it's hard. Y'all can't relate to this, <laughs> the struggles that I go through. I Men the, have it hard during pregnancy. I on the airport, little. You ain't the same. It's worse. Nah, my That's mine is way it. worse. Men have it hard during pregnancy, and you guys don't know because you ain't been through it. But as soon as y'all go through it, don't come to me because I ain't gonna want to hear it. I'm gonna give you the same energy you gave me. Do you need another five minutes? I just wanna make sure you're good. No, nah, I ain't good, but that's Damn, fine. Sean, Sean, a rare one today. He's just like going for your head, bro. Like, yeah, bro. because Y'all the fact is, I don't know. The fact is, he ain't going through it, so he don't sympathize with me. That's the problem. Because when I talked to him about it, I thought he was the only one of the group that would, and he was just he did the same thing everybody else does. That's why we don't. That's why we suffer in silence, man. Never said anything, but I do feel like there's things that happen. Like it, it can become stressful for you, especially with yes. like having to deal with hormones and like it's all stressful for me. Like all of that kind of those kinds of things, you know, mood swings, having to like go do extra things. Oh, I want this, I want that. So you're trying to make them more comfortable. So it can be stressful. I can understand that. Um, so I agree. I mean, there are some stressful like components of it for you, but respect the one that you're talking about respect as far respect, as- EJ. As far as sleeping on the couch there, I don't... They don't even feed you, man. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, you know, we should have, like, thought to, like, bring you something. Yeah, they don't even feed you, man. They don't even feed you. There's no McDonald's around the corner? No, it's a McDonald's there, but why I got to pay for it? Why they they just giving her food? Why can't... You can't got an extra plate for me? I didn't realize. Just let you know that hospital cafeterias are really good. Well, they are, but I gotta pay for it. She ain't gotta pay for it. Also, I mean, that's the only good thing about hospital. The hospitals, the food. Yeah, I mean, and also when I was in the hospital, it's not like they had a dish ready for Shanita either. So it's It's not not about Shanita. I'm just giving you an example of I don't. I just think it ain't about Shanita. (laughs) This is about males. What males go through during pregnancy. I'm just saying, in general, I don't think they provide the guest food. I'm not a guest. I'm (laughs) one of the reasons why she here. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? I'm not a guest. I'm I'm a part of this creation. So I oh, need to be treated as such. Okay. I need food. We'll I need a bed. Time, and Shamor will happily drive it to you. We'll all, okay. me and Raga will pitch in and Shamor is going to drive it to you in his Cadillac. <laughs> nah, he'll get pulled over. He'll get pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let's go into the topic, the reason that we're here. Um. Uh, interesting topic today is I wanted to talk about, uh, which is very important to me and my household is, is is finances and how black people, our mind frame with finances, how we deal with finances. I sit here and I say it's funny is how successful, like even like successful black families are. It's still I don't see a lot of them set their kids up financially or or even have like savings accounts for them financially. And I'll, and I find, and it doesn't even matter the status of the family. They, they, and, and what I learned is they did not have a lot of knowledge on finances. So <clears throat> what, what brought about this conversation was Sweetie, <clears throat> which is a, a, a rapper who was dating, who's dating Quavo from the Amigos. And she was on his, 
his Instagram live. And she said she was promoting her new song with Janae Aiku and said that if he is not getting you a Birkin, if he's not paying for your bills, then throw that nigga back to the streets. Okay. End quote. Now, she got a lot of uh, backlash for this comment, but then she went on and say it was entertainment and she feels like a Birkin symbolizes value. So in her words, what she's trying to say is if, if you're not being valued in the relationship, then leave them. That's not what she said. She, uh, she brought up the Birkin situation and anybody knows, I actually researched Birkin bags because I don't know anything about Birkin bags. So I researched Birkin bags. They average $10,000 a bag. And to get a Birkin bag, yeah, to get a Birkin bag, you can't just go in the store and buy a Birkin bag. You have to have a relationship with Hermes to do it. So what it means is you got to buy other shit. And then as you're building collateral with them, credit with them, then you can ask for a Birkin bag and be put on the waiting list to get it. So you can't a Birkin bag is it's just not something you could just walk in and get and I thought that was that was very interesting also what I thought was very interesting is we're having this conversation about and we can get into the fact that why do we care about what celebrities are doing with their money but let's just let's just keep it on the vein of regular people the medium black income is $45,438 from my research the medium white income is 76,000 and $57. So they almost make 30 on average 30,000 more than the black family. Also, 36% of black people has money in stocks, 60% of white people have money in stocks. 44% of black people own houses. 74% of whites own houses. And we could go into historical context about the the wage gap and um the poverty gap, redlining, all these issues. But the first question I want to kind of ask you guys is, why are Black people obsessed with luxury items? Who wants to go first? Um, it's basically what she said. It's looked at as value. So the more you have of these luxury items, you look upon as having more value or you're quote unquote got money. You let me see how I want to phrase this. So we spend a lot of time not having anything. And when we feel we have something, we want to show that we have something. So that that's why I feel like a lot of people go out and buy these luxury items just so they can show that, you know what, I ain't broke no more. Who are you showing or it off to, what though? What you can see to be not broke anymore. But who are you showing it off to? Us. Okay, cool. That, that, that's it. It's us. No, no, I agree with you. Go ahead, Char. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I, if I had, I, in terms of Hermes bags, then uh, I don't think most, white people in terms of typical middle of America actually have those bags. It's to your point, Daryl, it's probably most of the celebrities that could have that. So because we look to those celebrities and we see that they have those status, those items that define I've made it is what we probably um, um, turn to because 
I think we as a people are probably much more flashier with what we have in comparison to other races. But, well, I won't say other races. I'll say just white folks in particular because I know other cultures are more flashier with their things. But I, I think that's the reason. So we're going to say that's the reason why is because we, we've gone for so long that we that of, of being without or being denied things that's considered to have value that now that we're almost in a position where we can actually have not even afford but have access to possibly get those items mm-hmm. we want to show that we have arrived we're here um we are worth we are worthy of these items so it's almost like to kind of show that to kind of give a a, a representation of like we're worthy or, or value so okay what about you aj yeah i think that um things like that that type of showmanship is kind of what the black um, community kind of goes to to show their status to everyone else. Um, I think that it has become sensationalized and popular by entertainers, right? They make it seem like this is what you are looking to do. So, um, of course, little kids look at that. Like, when we were younger, what do we aspire to get? We aspire to get these certain types of cars, have all these women, to get these chains, to, you know, all these different things, right? Because these rappers were rapping about what's oh, the coolest thing to do. This is the show that you I, you know, I have all this money that I can spend. So people want to look like that and people are attracted to that. Mm-hmm. I have to think about it in like the gay community, like the same thing applies. Like in like to look like you have money is to look important. And that's one mm-hmm. of the things I think that we associated with that, um, associate with that. Um, and it's kind of, crazy because we go to so many lengths on end mm-hmm. to try to look a certain way but then you're in debt or you really are poor mm-hmm. you're just still poor it's just a facade mm-hmm. so I think it's kind of crazy but yeah that's definitely something that we use to kind of tell where we are and you know right. kind of elitism right and you actually brought up the word I was going to use is for me it's definitely elitism it's just to show that I'm better than you niggas and it's just it's like, I can get this bag and you can't. Because we're not showing out for white people, Char, you said it. We're not showing out for white people because white people ain't buying this. Mm-hmm. White people, is now, it's, it's us. Now, the only thing I would go further with you guys is it's not only a celebrity, it's a culture thing. Africa was big on gold. Exactly. Europeans were selling slaves. They were selling them weapons and gold. So we've always had a eagerness to be flashy. That's just part of our DNA, to be yeah. flashy. So I think we can embrace it, but we need to embrace it kind of responsibly. Uh, we shouldn't let these celebrities, we should act our wage and not let these celebrities like make us go in debt and broke and feel like um, we got to do it. I personally blame women, of course, <laughs> because they want us to be flashy and we want women. So no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I just get it. I just get it. <laughs> But to, but to your point, when you said, you know, white people aren't doing it, that's, that's not entirely true. I mean, you have a lot of white people that do, but you never really know what they're wearing. Like, yeah. you have people wearing certain expensive things, but you never know it was expensive yeah. because they yeah. don't have, they don't show the label. We're more, about, we're more about showing labels and all that stuff. They more go for, like, the discreet rich stuff like you know they don't, don't want to put the label on it it looks like a regular t-shirt but it might be Tom Ford yeah you know what I mean? or it might be yeah shit. go ahead Char. I'm glad you cleared that up because that's kind of what, what brought him to say because that's kind of how they show they, they don't show their their work and also that that's true too 
but also there's a lot of what I, I guess what I've learned just being in corporate America and just being around, I guess, certain white people most of the time is that they're, they like being cheap and like a good deal as well. So there's there so many loopholes in terms of when we see them go on vacations and go certain places and do certain things, they're not paying full value for those things. Like there are so many loopholes and different things that they do to get those items that we as black folks, because we don't have access to the knowledge of it, mm-hmm. we, we envy those things. And then we end up paying full value for things where white folks are kind of cutting, not cutting corners, but finding different ways of getting those items where we just don't have access to that knowledge also. So that's also, I think, something interesting that sometimes don't necessarily, don't think that just because you see somebody having those things that they're necessarily paying full value or actually. Mm-hmm. So, so then my other question about her comments is that I find interesting for black males is that why is it that when black males are not financially secure, he's for the streets? You know what I'm saying? Like, why does that status is like the only thing like it seems like we need to have like my mom used to say she was like she always used to say Deion Sanders is a very unattractive man the only thing attractive on him is his money and that's why everybody wants him so why is it that like a woman can be broke right and and long as she's attractive or whatever but that's not quality we're not asking for you to buy us a PlayStation 5 even though I've asked for it numerous times but why is it for males, we have to be able to pay your bills and buy these expensive items for us to be a, to be appealing? Why do we have that status on us? I think you've always been looked at as the breadwinner. I mean, you you got to understand, you're supposed to be able to support your family. You're supposed to be able to pay the bills, be able to take care of your, your wife, your kids, and all that stuff, and make sure that they're good. That's always, that's really what it is. It's just a new age version of it. It's like, so... You coming home and paying the light bill and doing all that stuff is now turning into how many trips can you take me on? How many bags can you buy me? What shoes can you buy me? What car can you put me in? That, that, it's, just, it's just varied into a modern way of taking care of, quote unquote, your family. It's where, it's whereas if you can't, if, you, if you're not able to take care of your family, you look like as less of a man. So hold on, hold on. Uh, let me cut you off because that's an interesting comment. So the first thing you said was these are necessities. The bills are necessities. The cars, the trips, the bags, these aren't but necessities. The but that's also what she also said. She said, if you ain't paying your bills, then, you know, so you, the way that people, they're looking at it now is if you can't pay my bills, why am I with you? Yeah. I and mean, I'm like, but I'm like, I don't live with you. Yeah. But that's so a, why am I, pay, why why am I about, paying your bills? But why are but we talking about the, equality and independence then? Then why are we talking about that? If if, uh, if that what we say? It's a, it's a catch twenty two, Daryl. I mean, it's a catch twenty. It's a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be able to say I can take care of myself, but I don't want to. I want you to take care of me. Yeah. It's like I don't need you, but I want you to do it. All right, go ahead, Shar. No, I mean. What Rodden said, it just, it hits the nail on the head. I mean, I feel like with women, they want the option of being able to be able to take care of themselves. But I think, and I don't know if this is a general statement, I think also in most cases, women want to have a man that's able to take care of them. And not even take care of them financially, but just protect them and make sure that everything is okay. Now, I guess to your point, 
I guess with uh, Sweetie, what she was saying, it was more not necessarily of wants, but I mean, not needs, but wants, what someone wants. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what, but from based off of her status, I don't know her, her financial, you know, I don't know what's going on with her financially, but maybe getting those things is something that of a need for her because she can afford to buy those things for them herself. Maybe she's saying someone should be able to afford to buy those things for her. And that's that means that she's getting a man based off of her level to actually take care of the things that she feel like she needs in a man. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's considered fair or not, but I think that's just the society that we live in whether we want to say it out loud or not, is that the expectation of the man is to be able to make sure no, they qualify for his No, man. it's true. It's true, yeah. but I think what it is is insensitive. And it's in, and it's insensitive to the point, first of all, we have a, a pandemic where people, a bunch of people are losing their jobs. But even if we didn't have this, you're talking about your fan base is just regular people. And you're yeah. up here. I'm always weird about celebrities flashing money when their fan base are are just regular people. So like Meek Mill is a good one. I was not a huge Meek Mill fan at first. And a lot of it turned me off of him is because he was always flashing money. And I was just like, but why, like, why would that be appealing for me as a regular person to see you bragging about money? I know he says it as his motivation, but I never saw it as that. I was just like, you're just, you, you're just bragging. You, at you want to understand like, you know, he came from nothing that he got money. So you always want to show off that you got what you didn't have before. And just and also to clarify something, we're not gonna say all females are like this. Yeah. They want Birkins and all that yeah, other yeah. stuff. <clears throat> there are a lot of females that will do things themselves and they don't expect anything from a person. But if you do give something, it's a thank you and it's an enhancement. Um, there's other females that decide that they you know what, for them, showing what you have is your knowledge of other areas, such as like, you know finance and building long-term wealth but you also have a lot of materialistic women that are looking for these things like you know because it's because we've become a so we've become a social media community and for you to be popular on social media you have to have certain things you have to look a certain way and you want you have to have want needs for certain things so that's that's where we're at. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Shar. And then well, I was I was actually gonna throw this question out here because it's kind of I mean we we put it on the women, but also the men want these things as well. It's not like you know we do want the things that we see that are defined as successful or defined <clears throat> as we made it. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely, but well, we don't. The difference is though is we don't put it on women to do this for us and then say if you can't do it. You're, you're for the streets. That's the difference. We want these things and, and we kind of, it's our culture to get it ourselves. So that's the only difference of it. Um, go ahead, EJ. Uh, um, there's so many things that were said. It's kind of hard. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that if we're talking about why is, why is it the way that it is, if you go back to historical context, like back in the day when you did see Black families together, and our community was a little bit more tight knit. It was the man that was usually working. Um, mm -hmm. Also, sometimes the, the woman would work too as well. 
but the money that the man brought, the man brought and gave to the wife, right? And so they were the ones that typically would take care of all the bills or whatever. So they would try to do as much as they could to try Mm -hmm. to please um, their wife or if they were dating their girlfriend to show that they actually cared about them. Um, I think sometimes it was just out of, you know, habit um, and sometimes it was out of love. Um, I think that the difference between then and now is not, it's not any different. It's the same. We just are taking it to like another extreme. Um, And we also see that if you think about the historical context of people that have old money versus new money, old money is not usually flashy. They have money and they know they have money, so they feel secure. But people that come from nothing and now have lots of money have now taken on this aura that I have to show everyone that I made it out the hood or that I made it out of a problematic um, situation and look at me now, I'm carrying all this money. So black people are very, very emotionally driven and also visually driven. So if we see something that is appealing to us in that way, or someone is so passionate about or plays with our our heartstrings about certain things, then we kind of are drawn to that sometimes. And so that's why we see that, you know, now people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, if you can't buy me this, or you can't buy me that, then like, you're not really, you know, about me, you're not really for me, you're not really, you know, you don't really care about me. Like, so it's, it's kind of like a mindset thing that we've allowed to kind of like, take over. Um, how we look at society and what we should actually expect in relationships and from people that we're dating. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, of course, it's not all women that do that. But the crazy thing about it is that almost always in the media, what we see are women that are aspiring to be on the come up. So we never hear about these women that aren't, right? So all of you are dating women that are not about that life. So it's just interesting that that's what we see the most focus on. You're right. And I also I just find it sometimes I find it a little hypocritical. I think uh, human beings are hypocriticals, hypocrites naturally. So I'm not going to blame anybody for it. But I do think that sometimes like we teach women now, especially now to be independent, to be strong, to go to college, get knowledge, get a job on your own. But yet we're still promoting this. Um, but I guess also just to add something to you, Sandero, do you think that we teach women that part based off of what? some society may be considered the failure of a man based off of the separation of families, except the fact that the men are not providing the way that they used to provide. No, well, no, I think it's important to have two income households, but I think it's also important that, uh, uh, like, I would never tell my daughter to, to need a man. I want her to always be, be able to be independent because when you need, um, there's a level of control there. So you seen like uh, uh, a man be very controlling because he's paying all the bills and I don't ever want to put you in that situation. It's just, we kind of like kind of pick and choose what evolution we want. It's like a la carte. I want this. I don't want this. You know what I'm saying? Except, but evolution has to be, if you want true equality, then it has to be equality across the board. We can't pick and choose what part of equality that we want that benefits us. So I was going to go ahead. I do agree. I think that Shamor, a lot of times, again, the, what we see, most often is that black men are not stepping up to the plate so of course then that does put women in a mind frame to think okay well if i see all these black men not stepping up to the plate and we know people personally where we have there they've been involved with black men that have not stepped up to the plate so they feel like they have to well they they don't even feel like it they're like i'm not gonna wait for a man to do this for me i'm a Mm -hmm. i can take care of myself Mm -hmm. so there's that that happens too and i think it's really going to be a contingent upon us black men to change that precedent or change that narrative to show people, hey, like 
again, I can give three examples of people that I'm looking at right now that don't fit the narrative of black men that are basically a deadbeat, right? But I also have examples of black men that are attached to people in my family that I feel like are deadbeats. So it's like, we got to kind of be able to like draw those images out and change that narrative. Yeah. And there's one more thing to that. So if if there is a situation where the man is the sole provider and the wife isn't, is that considered an equality? Or maybe it is equality mm-hmm. based off of what values that they bring to the, the outside of financial issues. Mm-hmm. Kind of saying yeah. that maybe it is equality or maybe a situation where both people, I think equality truly is having making the decision to be whatever position you want to be in your family, whether it's being the full, sole financial provider or not on both sides in terms of women not degrading men by thinking that if, if they're not the if, that, if they're not the sole provider or if the man want to be the sole provider or if the woman or if it's both people working together. And I think we just need to get to a point where equality um, is, is, is represented by what works for your household and not necessarily saying that it has to be a particular right. way. No, that, that's yeah. absolutely right. That's what that's at, at the end of the day, equality is whatever your household decides it is. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's whatever it is. But I wanted to talk about black people's buying power it's estimated at $1.2 trillion. Trillion dollars. So this is how much we spend consumer-wise. We help the economy a great deal. What if you bought your significant other a Birkin? How would they respond? I know, EJ, you said that was a heterosexual question, so whatever the equivalent to that. Because <laughs> I can already tell you off top, my wife would be uh she'd be like, What are you doing with this? Like we could have spent ten thousand dollars, we could have spent getting uh paying off debts, our down payment to the house, like mm-hmm. we could have went elsewhere with this. So that's how my wife would have responded. But I'm wondering how y'all's significant others would respond to that. Um, I think Danny would be like, oh shoot, you might like it, but she would probably be the same way, like we could have spent this on something else. You could have went a different direction with this. Like, could have bought something cheaper. Could have bought something cheaper. Could have bought an yeah, eight thousand dollar bag. And spent the money. No, that's not. And spend <laughs> the money on. <laughs> and spend the money on something else. You know, what I mean? like we could have taken a trip or some shit, or you could have, you know, and have an experience or right. something more memorable than just having a bag. Right. Right. What about you, Char? Oh, for me, I mean. At right now, it would be not. It would be a ridiculous purchase, and she would not even accept that. But I would like to add on to that is that our goal in life is to get to the point where, if we wanted to buy, we could, and that it wouldn't necessarily impact our pocket to the point that if we were to do it. So, right, right now, absolutely not. But ten years from now, if we want to, we get it. So nice. All right, Idra. I can't even think about the equivalent. Would be. Yeah, about to, I was about to ask you what is the equivalent. <laughs> um, I mean, there are bags for men, so like you know, like. So a ten thousand dollar bag for men. Go ahead. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't have a significant other, but if someone bought me a ten thousand dollar bag, I don't think that it would. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I can't say what they would say. Uh, thank man, you. You made it sad, um, man. But, um, what me, if somebody brought you ten thousand? If someone bought me that, like yeah. I would be fine with it. Um, I wouldn't, like I would just make, I would just question to make sure that, like, this is some, like, 
this isn't going to put you in a situation economically. But I mean, I would accept it. I mean, I've bought myself $5,000 bags. So I don't, oh. like, I don't have. Yeah, $5,000 bags? I have. Do well, it. Where is it at? Um, yeah, yeah. bags. Pull what are you talking about? Pull it out. I mean, I would have. T- you do. You do have a, a duffel bag, right? I have t- a couple duffel bags. If I yeah, knew yeah, that, yeah. I would have been in your oh, room yesterday because I would have a five thousand dollar bag. You know, you'll never touch a five thousand dollar bag, down? No. Where Where am I being my life that I need to touch a five thousand dollar bag? But now, next time I go over Edwards House, that's the first thing I'm going to go to. I mean, I traveled with them. Yeah. So I mean, I get it. I mean, so, but I'm just saying, like. That to me, like it doesn't, like I I'm fine with accepting gifts like that, but at the same time, like, are you okay financially to be able to do that, right? Because again, like you guys said, there are other things that are more important than buying me a bag. There's other ways to show me that you truly care about me, like a five K platinum ring, but that's okay. <laughs> a five K platinum ring. So, bro, what's up with this five K ring though? For real, like, who's buying this five K ring? Whoever I'm going to get married to will buy an engagement ring. Oh, okay. will, will we be on? Will we be on a yacht when you get proposed to? You I just want to be around. on a yacht. You be around when I get engaged to. No, we're well, gonna, gonna be on a yacht. If you buy a ring, we're gonna be on a yacht. I'm gonna that. Oh no, we're gonna be there. We're gonna be on a yacht. Oh yeah, but <laughs> I want to. So my question, my question, and, and EJ, I'm I'm interested to hear your your comment on this. What was the most expensive thing you ever bought yourself or your mate? Then, so is that five thousand bag the most expensive thing you ever bought yourself? I would hope so, but yeah, that was probably the most expensive thing that I bought for myself. Um, but for someone that I was dating, uh huh. I don't know. That's why mine. Mine wasn't for because uh, my wife's not into that like that. So mine would be for myself, and mine was and mine is not nowhere near five thousand. I spent four hundred dollars on my seventy two and ten Jordans, and that is just a uh, for me that was just an embarrassing purchase that I would never do again. But I did spend uh, four hundred dollars on my Jordans. Uh, what about you, Shar? I'm guessing Walmart value brand. Twenty-seven dollars. I'm really sitting here trying to think about how much <laughs> the most expensive I spent on myself. And I'm um, not talking about house. No, mine is. Um, golly, does vacation count? I mean, no, no, just okay. a, a item. Oof. An item. <laughs> Yourself or your wife? Okay, I knew I, it was gonna I, be hard for you. I mean, Rockport shoes, I guess, or like Kohans. I mean, that's, how much is how much? Um. I guess this is I just bought a few weeks ago, like 120, the one I just bought from um <laughs> you need to act your wage. <laughs> but no, if anybody just... has a Birkin, it should have been you. But <laughs> I mean, I am not Birkin, I'm not even Birkin status. I wouldn't even say that. It's just that I don't know. It just I just haven't really been that person to always spend something on myself. I mean, I guess I don't that's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it just I can't necessarily think of something and it's not because of financial reasons it's just that i just necessarily never think about stuff to actually um spend on myself like that so the funny story yesterday he picks me up from my house and the first thing i, I get in the car and the first thing i say is i didn't know you had other clothes like usually i see you in the same same and one basketball shorts like i didn't know you had other clothes and he was like yes you need to bought this for me i said i'm not surprised 
I was like, where'd she get it from? He was like, I don't know. I think Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. <laughs> so like that's that's so that's who that's exactly who you are. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Brandon, I, if, I guess to your point, I'll say this. So if it's something that I see that I like, I would get it. But I would probably go back and forth with myself before I purchase it. Like I remember when I was a kid, when I was working, and you remember Fubu, how expensive Fubu clothes was. Mm-hmm. I was buying a lot of Fubu on on clothes that I probably shouldn't have been buying, that, and that was like almost like seventy five dollars, a hundred dollars a shirt and stuff like that. But that's that was about Shanita. Decade ago, like uh, come on. I'm really sitting here trying to think. I'm like, yeah, I do not, do not make large purchases as far as big things on myself so but what about uh your wife Janita? uh she buy a lot of clothes so i, I guess mean, you no, what have her. you bought, her. Her. You bought from her i bought for her probably her, her ring i mean her own actual ring i guess would be probably the most expensive thing i purchased uh, that's a cop out it's a cop out i wouldn't put a oh, ring in that we all could add that on then yeah that was the case um let's see because the, the ring is mostly like it's it's a, a want, but it's actually a need with the culture of weddings. Like, yeah. so I'm talking about strictly like unnecessary items. Hmm. Uh, I think we'll, we'll just come back to you. So raw. Yeah, all right. all right. <laughs> He's over here making facial expressions wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, the most most expensive thing I ever bought for myself outside of a car was um probably my eyes and things. How much? 560. 560. Okay. I'm shocked. Um, I thought you were going to be uh, way higher than that. Nah, I really don't. Most of my stuff, it really isn't that expensive. Like, I, I shop, I learned from my mom, I shop on sale, but I buy nice stuff on sale. Uh-huh. And um, so, like, I, I do, like, off brands, like, I'll do Aldo and stuff like that. Um, The most expensive thing I've bought for Danny hasn't come yet. Oh. What? Well, can we know what it is, or is she? It's a surprise for her. Never knows what it is. Okay, so can we know what it is, or is it like? Why are you being so secretive? Because she's standing right here in front of me. Okay. Uh, and she's we, looking at me right now. Can we get the price tag? No. So we can't. So why? Why are you join this segment, man? I can't why because she's, stand, she's right here. No, tell her get out. Sign languages. Okay. Up. Okay. <laughs> well, I, actually. Y'all all know what it is because I showed you. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. You you talking about the uh cause she can't hear me, right? No, she can't hear you. So we talking about the shoes. No. Oh That's I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. The thing that goes next to that, that was with that. I don't Edward. remember the picture. I think I remember so, Edward, Edward, can you say it? Can you say it? Or do you I don't know if I remember exactly? I showed you a picture of it. Show me multiple things I can't remember. It, 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 was, it was next to the. To the this shoes. is great for our viewers, by the way, Raw. I want you to know that this is great for our viewers. Is a bag? There you go, Morch. Yeah, I think I remember showing it with the shoes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank I you. didn't. I didn't pay attention to the photo like I that. Was, but I was like, am I missing something? Because. So it was a bag. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's not a Birkin. Is it? Is Hell it? Yeah. Uh, is it higher than a thousand dollars? Yes. Yeah, higher than two thousand dollars. No, fifteen hundred. About. What? So hopefully, Danny doesn't watch this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. By time, by time she watches podcast, she will already have it. 
All right, nice. Nice. Yeah. When, I got, yeah. remember what brand it was. Lucy told me it was not Gucci, like the poor people. Mm-mm. Oh my God, the poor it's people. Just, come on. Mm-mm. Can we just say that out loud? Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. We just, that's what this whole episode <laughs> is about, man. So, so again, so, but you bring me to my point. So, what has your, because a lot of stuff that we do financially, like for me, it was trial and error. I had this when I was uh, a bartender at Chili's. We had, a, I had a white manager and I would always talk to him about finance. He's the one that taught me about, you know, simple stuff, savings accounts um 401ks Roth accounts like all that stuff he also he also said don't ever take financial advice with somebody you don't want to switch bank accounts with so my question to you guys because I had to do all this trial and error to figure out finances debts credit all this um my mom told me never to get a credit card because you know you'll be in debt but she didn't tell me the power of using credit I had to learn that very late and I think we have to, as black people, we have a lot of trial and error. And that's why we're in a lot of debt that we are at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're trying to clean it up. Like our twenties, we make our mistakes at 30. We're trying to clean it up. Right. Um, what did you got? What did your family teach y'all about finances? Um, my mom was very big on finances. Like she's very big on credit. Like she has a perfect credit score. So nice. you're talking about somebody I want to switch bank accounts with. I want to switch a bank account with her. And this is from someone, and then to be honest, this is from someone that came here making nothing, like, you know, being a sleeping nanny for years. So her whole thing was always about building your bank account and, you know, building credit to make sure that you, you're set up for the future and you, you're not struggling when you uh, get older. So for her, she's always taught me about CDs, IRA, Roth, um, the the importance of having money in your bank account, investing in mm-hmm. stock, paying attention to the stock market, <clears throat> um, and just making sure that, you know, when you buy stuff, you buy on sale. You don't always have, you can always get nice stuff, but you don't have to pay full price for it. Like she's always looking for a deal. Mm-hmm. And, and she's she a bougie chick. So, yeah. <laughs> she's a bougie chick. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Char? I'm telling oh, you, if you ask, if you ask Danny, she'll tell you my mom is bougie. She is bougie <laughs> as hell. But she bougie on a budget. That's nice. What about you, Shar? Um, I guess in terms of where I come from and where I grew up, it's very it's a very simple place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people own their homes, but they actually built their homes. And like if anybody's buying anything, it's typically like a trailer or something as far as a home. Or they're like a already a car where they have a monthly payment. So finances as far as credit and those type of things, I didn't really learn until I got older. But me, my but me, my mom and my sister, in a sense, we kind of learned together in terms of kind of made mistakes together and kind of like figure out everything together as well. So um I guess growing up, those things it, it they weren't of value because this wasn't important as far as our living. But I guess as you continue to progress, it became more important. So I kind of learned by trial and error and just listening to other people and just trying to figure out what stuff is. I, I didn't learn about 401ks and all that stuff until I started working. Because at that point, I didn't know anybody who had a 401k until, you know, and even in that situation, I think it depended on whatever job you had, if you even would get exposed to the concept of actually having a 401k. So um, I learned that when I started working, I learned it 
me and Shanita kind of grew together as far as our relationship, as far as figuring out those things as well, and just stuff that we kind of picked up along the way, I guess. And then also being around white people, I kept also working around white people also because it's a whole like I didn't realize it's a whole other game, and it's just so much stuff that they know and it's exposed to that we just don't have the access or knowledge to. So that's actually kind of why I learned a lot as well. Yeah. It is funny that most people who learn from finances, black people learn from a white person because it's it's amazing how that is. You know, because, that, that is so that is so true. Like, I think I think all, all of us have similar stories on that. Well, what about you, EJ? Um, my, my parents literally told me nothing about finances um, at all. So, again, trial and error on my own and research. Um, actually, a black woman taught me about finances um, when I was in my my mid-20s um, and then like as I was becoming 30. So all through that time, she was telling me about, you know, where she um, was into real estate and how she saved money and, you know, things to look out for and, you know, how to spend money wisely. So my, my really good friend, she taught me about finances and she happened to be Black. Um, and I found out my dad was awesome with finances um, and he had never taught me anything. Now he is more like concerned and try to give, give me like tidbits of information, you know, here and there. Now my dad has amazing credit. He has, he's really smart. Um, he made a whole financial plan for my one sister when she was in debt and got her out of debt in a, a certain period of time, but never took the time to talk to me about it. Why? I'm not sure. But, um, I've learned a lot, just, you know, trial and error from some of my, my friends and then me like personally having to research and then be in debt and get myself out of debt. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of, I feel like it's like the same thing for many, many, many black people. Yeah, and I feel like you you said a black woman taught you because we all said a white person taught us. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just had to be different. No, that's actually <laughs> the truth. That's actually the truth. <laughs> no, but what, what I would say was, I think for black families, they kind of teach us survival. Like they try to tell us what not to do, but never tell us exactly what to do so we're no i'm just saying like we all said we're all learning from trial and error and and we have to make so many mistakes and that puts us so far behind yeah everybody else but go ahead sure but also and i say this all the time we're a generation behind because absolutely um and i always say this like i will hope our kids will be a lot better prepared than we were because of course now that we understand the game our game, our job is to kind of teach it, teach them, teach it to them. Because I remember me and Shanita always said this, like, you know, we grew up with, we went to college with friends who, like, when they, when it came to paying for their wedding, paying, getting their first home, and those type of things, their parents were there to assess mm-hmm. and help them kind of get through that process. Or they were given the option of, do you want a wedding or do you want a home? Or to furnish their home oh, my parents just had these items in the house and so we just used it to move it into our new home. Whereas for us, it was literally starting from scratch. You don't really have that 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 source to pull from and you're trying to build up yourself with the intention of being able to be, provide for the next generation of your family. So it's, 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 it's just a whole other game to trying to catch up. But I think eventually it'll get to the point where it has to even out at some point. You know what I'm saying? So No, but you said you yeah. said so many gems right there that I wanted to discuss on. Especially so 
when I was getting a pre-approval for the house, one of the questions they asked is, do you have a family member to give you a gift for a down payment? And I'm like, a family member give me a gift of a down payment? Who does that? Mm-hmm. And it was like, you'd be surprised at like the white families, like you said, the parents would give them the down payment on their house or, which is funny about black people. And I think we all uh, have went through it is that with the wedding is every black person wants a traditional wedding until it's about paying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The traditional wedding is the wife's family pays for the wedding. So we want everything traditional except that. <laughs> that is not traditional. But um, that's why I just wanted to talk about the gems that you just dropped. But my question for you guys, my next question is, how do you guys financially manage your household? So uh, EJ, let me start with you. Um. Well, it's only just me. Um, That's why I started with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty easy. Um, I always try to when I'm like doing my budget, I always try to make sure I take take the same amount off the top of everything, and that's even before bills to set aside into like emergency fund, and then also into savings, and then any other savings areas that I have. And then from there, that's when I budget, like I do all my bills and then what's left over. Um, I usually take, I try to only use like a hundred dollars for every two weeks for food. So I, I've really gotten good at that, except for, you know, this whole coronavirus is kind of messed up like food because you can't always, you don't always want to cook. And then sometimes you don't have time to cook you know, in between jobs for me, because I work one and go to another. So so oftentimes I see myself um, spending money to go using Uber Eats, which has probably become the like only business that has grown throughout the coronavirus. Well, Amazon uh, um, too. And Amazon. And I actually use Amazon to do like bring my groceries here. But um, that's how I try to like budget that. And I give myself a low, low um, like amount because everything else will take precedent over that. And I don't really have anything else that I really need to be getting right now. Like if I want to get something, I budget out months. Like I want to get myself for Christmas, I want to get myself um, a Nintendo Switch. So I'm not just, I could go get it right now if I wanted to, but for me, I want to make sure that like I stay on track. Mm-hmm. So I budgeted it out um, so that I could get it. And I actually use an app, it's called Digit. So you can create different like savings, um, like uh like gold want like i have an emergency fund in there i have mm-hmm. a savings account and it will pull you tell them whatever the goal is and whatever the time frame is that you want to reach that goal and it pulls money from your account just randomly like oh, every day um in the week and you don't even notice the money going because it's usually small amounts until it decides to take out a hundred dollars and you look in your account you're like okay i've been budgeting and why is my account hundred dollars <laughs> you go see digit.com and I'm like, okay, so digit took out a hundred dollars, but usually it's a small amount. So you don't even see it at all. So is that a free service? Cause that's, that's important. I think that's very important. I think that's a good knowledge to drop on people to know that if they want to do it to go to, you said digit.com. Um, yeah, it's an app. So digit is the name of the app and it's super easy. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good knowledge to drop. What about you, Char? Okay. We haven't always done this. We kind of got to this point where we are now. So I literally track every item. And in our household, where we have categories based off of our goal in terms of what we want to spend for each month. So we have a budget for food. We have a budget for, you know, um, miscellaneous expenses, for what we want to spend on apps for 
Hulu, I mean, all that stuff, it's really broken down in terms of show exactly where our money is going. And we try to make sure, and, and even I have a setup where our savings account is considered an expense. So we actually count that as money that's saying, okay, we need to pay your savings account for this particular month. So, and then, and when it comes to like showing what's, what's available, we don't even show our savings as an option of saying that this is available to spend. It just created as an expense. As an expense. Um, it, we have not always been like that. It took us a while to get to that point of being disciplined enough to even get there. Um, because at first it was just like, you have a card, we, you just sliding just unconsciously, just buying stuff. And then you kind of realize that those, those every individual $10 purchases have now turned into hundreds of dollars. You mm -hmm. know, so so it took us a while to get to that point. Um, that's pretty, um, we as far as accounts, we have a joint account where all the money of our accounts go in as far as to kind of manage everything in the house. And we 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 both now have separate savings account outside of the savings account that we have to kind of like make little purchases that we now want to make right. specifically for ourselves. Right. At first, I didn't have that savings account, um, but I decided to kind of get it so that way I can still feel like I have some type of individualism in our relationship. Where she has <laughs> <laughs> <You're laughing. laughs> but she had that because she always had it. And that's why I decided like, I need to probably go ahead and do the same thing. So that's kind of, um, you know, how we kind of make sure we manage everything. And then we kind of, although we probably haven't done this for a few weeks, but we try to meet regularly to kind of go track, to keep track of how our spending is, is going and how to add or take away items that we may or may not need to have in our budget. So that's kind of how we. Nice. And so what about you, Raw? Um, so for us, the wedding has really helped us with saving money because, you know, you kind of buckle down and you look at every little minute thing that you do because now you're trying to put everything that you have towards that. Right. So um, with that, it really has helped us. Like, um, not only do we have most of the money we need to blend, and we got an excess of money that we just put aside, and um, we have a, a joint savings account that we just put money together in. Then we also have both our, you know, our separate accounts that we also put money in, and um, that's really helped me with saving my own money because I was horrible at that. But I've really started to like save more and um, do stuff like that. And then um, we all have our own bills that we're responsible for in the house. And so those things are just taken care of outside of um, the joint account. So like we just use our own money to take care of that. And then whatever we have, we put in the joint account and try to build that up. Nice. So with me is I uh, treat my account as a nonprofit. So I zero out my bank account um, every every month, That's and smart. and what it does is access goes to debt. It's it's whatever's access because I'm like you, Char. I have an Excel spreadsheet and I document everything I do, and I, I'm very religious with this. I'm I'm very OCD about this, and I document everything I do at the beginning of the month. I have this big pot left over. Half of it goes to whatever credit card I'm paying off at that time. The other half goes right into my savings account. And I always, at the end of the month, zero out my bank account. Another thing, um, another jewel, just like digit.com, I am religiously on Credit Karma. 
Credit Karma is yeah. a soft credit pool. It doesn't give you an exact number. It's going to give you a roundabout number, but it also uh, teach you that's how we refinances our vehicles. If we, if I wanted to do a balance transfer on my credit card, it gives me options to do it. Then I am very religious on Credit Karma. So, and then just like, go ahead, bro. And I like Capital One has something like that uh, credit wise. They're like, oh, it'll keep track of your credit score. Yes. So and it's like every seven, every seven days, it tells you what your credit score looks like. Yep. And, it, and it's a, a way to to build and understand the finances and what everything, uh, all, where all your money is going. We used to have budget meetings. We're going to try to get back into it where we're discussing finances and, and making a game plan um, um, for the month. But I'm very, my goal for my household is like, and that's kind of my next question. So I'm going to go ahead and go in it. My goal of my household is right now to be debt free. So we have three phases of our debt free. We have credit cards is phase one. Um Car, our vehicles are phase two and student loans is phase three. And I guess phase four would be the, the house when we, we get it would be phase four. But that is my goal to be the house to for us to be debt free and also for us to be able to live off one income. And and when I say that is like we're both still will be working, but we're able to only live off my income where where hers would just be extra savings, emergencies any of that so that's my goal too and it's it's a little it takes me a little longer now because we have mouths to feed so it's a little harder to live off one income now but that is my goal to have to to live off one income and then the rest to just be bonus so i wanted to ask you guys what are your financial goals for your household who wants to go first i'll go first um i think i guess me and you fall on the same line daryl i want us to be able to be debt-free but not only, but not even debt free. I want to get to the point where I like if I want a car that I never like for them for a car. I don't want to have to have to get a loan for a car. Right. I want to get to the yeah. point where I can, if I want a particular car, I want to be able to have the cash available to just purchase the car. So that way, I wouldn't necessarily have a monthly payment. Um, I. I think we're about to go into that next step of being able to do that because of an investment we made 10 years ago in our home to get us to the point of being able to sell it and kind of profit off of that and then go to work moving that next into that next phase of what we want to do. Um, I think I would, I would love for me. I guess my wife and I go back and forth about this part of it as far as um, being able to, we want to live off of one income, but at the same time, we want one person available to be able to build something outside of the corporate world. So we're trying to figure out the best timing and um, way to do that. Because at, we're, we're trying to move toward the point where my wife, I don't want to work part-time or not at all, where my income supports the family while she's on the side trying to build something outside of that. They're mm -hmm. trying to build something for us. So we're trying to figure out the best way to do that where to your point, Daryl, could her part-time job take care of the majority of the expenses that we have, and then in the, in the other time that she has to build, to build up the business, or do we just want her to not work at all, and then my and my job to take care of all of our finances, mm -hmm. you know, to do that. But if we do that, then we will have to drastically change our lifestyle to make sure that we're living as cheaply as possible while we still try to build something over on this end. So we're not, we're trying to figure out th that plan and that portion in terms of what, how we want to handle it. 
Yeah, and it's constant dialogue, constant dialogue to get to these yeah. goals. But what about uh, you, AJ? Yeah, no. Um, so my goal, first and foremost, is to try to get all of my credit card debt done by next year. So that's my my first step in my goals. Um, my step or phase two is also while I'm doing that. Well, I'll be done with my car March of next year. So a lot of that money is now no longer going to be tied on to a car note. So I'm going to be able to save more for a house. I plan on having a house when I'm 40, which is in two years. So I'll be buying a house at that time um, as a part of just, you know, the American dream and as a part of, you know, investment, right? Because we know a house is not mm -hmm. just a purchase, it's also an investment. So um, I think, you know, for me, the goal that I've set is to have residual income coming in or to own a business that I'll be able to profit from. So, you know, you guys know that I have several ideas about businesses. Um, mm -hmm. Interior design is a passion of mine, also baking and cookies. So eventually I would like to have, I'm trying to figure out the timing for that. Like Shamorg said, timing is very important. You got to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before you start to really right. put yourself into a business venture as such as opening a business. So right now I'm doing a lot of research about businesses, but I do plan to open a cookie shop. Um, it might be something really oh. small at first where maybe it's online based, um, only going to be available in this area. And then from there, be able to expand it to wherever else. But um, those are the kind of the steps. Um, my student loans is absolutely the last thing. Um, while I'll be paying on them, they're going to be the last phase of mine. But like definitely the most important thing, number one, credit card debt let's get that done so that's not something i have to continue to worry about my car will be done i'm purchasing a home so go ahead i'm sorry um I, one thing i do want to add though is that well two things i want to add that i want to get into stocks uh next year that's that's my big thing for next year is i really want to get into stocks um I'm trying to figure out, cause I think we all want to venture and do some entrepreneur stuff. I know I like writing. So uh, a graphic novel that I'm, I'm trying to finish up and get into, but the, but the main thing I forgot to say early was uh, I have two kids, so I want to set them up. So I've already started a, uh, an account. Kylie already has an account. Dax won't have one. Cause you can't have one until he's born. Cause you need a social security card to put his name on it. So I haven't started his, but my goal, I don't want them to work their first two years of college because I just want them to focus strictly on oh, cool. school. I want, and then when they work their junior and senior year, I want them to do internships to work with the profession wherever they're going. So for me, I had to work all during college and I think that took away from me. And, and another thing about college, and this is the last question for you guys, is do you think college hurt us as black people? And when I say college hurt, I don't mean college, the institution of learning. I'm talking you about- get me from my own days. What? You forgot you forgot to ask Rodden what his goals were, his financial goals. Oh, I thought I'd ask you. My no, bad. No, it's okay, you know. I got forgotten some some here. Ma, go ahead, nah, Ma. Nah, for my financial goals, um definitely my huh? what? <laughs> what? No, go ahead. We're not looking at your opinion. <laughs> I know you don't care about my opinion. No. No, we're talking about what? they don't want to look up your nose, is what he's saying. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm driving. What do you want me to do? Um, not be. But uh, go ahead. What are your goals? <laughs> <laughs> so my car is going to be paid off in January, December, January. So that's something that I always wanted to knock out of the way. Um, I'm not going to take a hit on that on my credit score, but whatever. Um, then after the wedding next year, late next year, early 2022, I do want to buy a house. And then after that, I want to start looking at 
buying um, low end houses, like houses like mm-hmm. like fifteen thousand dollars, and just re um, reinvesting in them, uh, getting them correct, building them up, and then probably just Airbnb in them out. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, uh, I, I mean, if you think about it, I get a loan for like what eighty thousand dollars. Buy a house of fifteen. You you put that money back into it. That's residual income that you, can, you always have coming in. So that's that's something that I always I want to look into. Thank you, HGTV. <laughs> yeah, you gave me an idea, Rodin. Huh? You gave me an idea. Yeah, so that's what I was. Also, um, I really we've really been starting to work on her credit. Really trying to get her credit up to where it needs to be, and um, just keep in mind where it should be. So right. pretty much. Now, credit is very important, man. And I think that we learn to stay away from credit, but we need to make credit work for us, not stay, right. not, not be afraid of it, but let it work for us. So again, so again, my last question was about college and it was about, do you think it hurt us? And I'm not talking about the learning institution. I think college is extremely important. College was the best time, one of the best times of my life. And I love college. I'm strictly talking about the, the student loan debt that comes from it. And what I'm saying is 85% of black people go to college, accue student loan debt. And our student loan debt is usually higher than any other race. And we're the most to get defaulted on the debt. So again, you talk, EJ, you talked about your student loan debt. I know I got, I have a master's degree. I have a huge student loan debt. Um, Is that hurting us as black people though? Yeah, I think that, I think that student loans is something that is very, um, it's, it's not spoken about um, when we have our children go to college. Mm-hmm. It's not planned in advance. Um, I know that for my parents, they put a lot of stuff under my name to get loans for student, for, for college, which, you know, we want to get have the funds to be able to go to that, but we got to do better at, at planning ahead of time. And then I, I feel like, um, not all the time is there a push to go to a college, right? I think another thing that we need to think about is we need to push to things that the kids are good at. I think that mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh yeah, go to college. You know, that's exactly what you need to be doing at this time. But not every person needs to go to college to accrue that debt. Um, there are some things that are trade that can you can go to other schools that are not oh. as expensive that won't accrue as much that like for me, my parents pushed me to be in the medical field, which is not, was just something I have passion about, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I feel like if they would have pushed me in the area that I wanted to go, which was interior design and fashion at that time, then I would have had a different outcome as far as student debt because I could have yeah. used a different way to go about schooling in that regard. So I think that we have to really think more um, strategically um, in that respect. And then we have to be educated. Uh, I know a lot of people, um, their kids don't pay anything for school. Why? Because they decided to take out these life insurance policies for kids when they were young. So when they're in college, now they can draw funds from that and they can use that to pay for school. So now your kid's going to school while having have, have much debt at all. So I think that, yes, it is hurting us because when we get done with school, you're not exactly guaranteed to have a job in your field, in your profession, and to be making enough money to be able to pay those loans back. No, and I think you, the important thing that you said was also have a roadmap. Like, just like, what does, as a child, I think for us in our age, it was just go to college. I don't care what you do when you get there, but you just need to go. And having a roadmap of what the child wants to do, like you, 
right now I work in computers. I, I didn't do computers in college. I have a mass. I have an MBA that I'm not using. I have, you know what I'm saying? My bachelor's was in uh, communications. I use it now for this show, but as for my corporate life, I don't. And it's just like, like if somebody would have, would have worked with me, I would have less debt. Cause I would have never got my business degree. I, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't, I like business, but not like that. Not to have a master's degree. Right. And if somebody would have, would have guided me, I would never went that route and would have had less debt for it. But go ahead, Raw. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm the same way. Like, I went to school for business, but I'm a police officer. <laughs> like, you see? Yeah. It's, it's, it, it. Hold on, Raw. You going in and out? Let's let's go to let's go to Shar until you uh, come back. Go ahead, Shar. Very controversial about about this. I think how to word this because I think we're all saying the same thing, but I think right now we're just not like as 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 black people. We're almost almost not in the position to go to college for what we kind of want to do or dream to do. We almost have to go to school strategically to go after degrees that actually allows us to be able to have a job, to get a job that's profitable and allow us to be able to build some level of wealth. And the reason why I say that is because, I mean, I, I went to school for engineering. I got my, I got, I'm an industrial engineer by degree. I got my MBA in supply chain management. And my career path in terms of what I've done is directly related to what I went to school for. Because it was specific, it was, it, it was a high paying position, and it pretty much tracks out where I was. So from that angle, I think it depends on how you use college. Because... If, if, if you're using college to obtain a degree that's going to make you, um, I guess, sellable to a to a employer, then I think it, it's definitely um, it's definitely profitable. It, at the same time, if you don't know what you want to do, and the, the best option is for you to get a trade, which is also could be, be profitable, go in that direction as well. But I think when you go into roles like, I, I don't want to say Art, art roles as far as like trying to become an artist or trying to go into communications or going to degrees that not necessarily allows you to be able to di- directly go into that position, it, you do end up being in a, in, a, in a spot where you're not using that degree based off of what you actually went to school for. And I think it puts you in a position where now you have all this debt and now the degree you have doesn't allow you to do what you intentionally went to school for. So I think to your point, the way y'all say it, we need to be a little bit more strategic to try to encourage us to go into those STEM programs, into those degrees where we know that the, the, the jobs are available to get to the point where we can actually be able to use that resources to try to build up ourselves and then eventually build up our generations after that. Yeah. And another thing I would add to that, though, is that I didn't know going in, like getting a job that you can like negotiate your salary. Yeah. I didn't know, like, even like if you get a raise that those things can be negotiated. And I think as black people, sometimes we're afraid to do it because we're afraid to them say, all right, fuck it, we'll go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And that we need to know that we have value and that we can negotiate because all they, you know, all they can do is, is is renegotiate and say, this is what we're willing to do or whatever. And you could decide to take it or not. But I think we're so afraid to negotiate because we don't want to lose it. And, mm-hmm. and those are stuff that I'm actually just learned a couple of years ago heading into corporate 
Yeah. But uh, Raw, uh, you back with us? Go ahead, finish yours. Yeah, like, uh, man, I lost my train of thought from earlier. But um, yeah, it's like I'm the same way you are, Daryl. I I went in, I got a degree in something that I'm not even using right now. I mean, it may help me further down in life, but at this point, I'm just here with it. So it's like you got all that debt, and you got nothing really to show for it. Right. So now, so now it's working on trying to get out that debt and working to get something better in life. So yeah, I, I agree. It, sometimes it hurts when you um don't know exactly what you want to do, and you have a I you just have a vague idea, and you just go and just be like you know what I'm gonna go try to get this, so I can say I have it. Mm-hmm. So and that's a lot of things a lot of people don't understand doing these trade schools and stuff like that, like honing on your craft or something that you're individually interested in can somewhat be more profitable than anything else yeah yeah and we gotta don't look down on it i think we yeah. just kind of look down on on the trade and in in it's the best it could be the best route and also financially uh feasible but the creative part daryl it never used to be like that as far as trade mm-hmm. no you're right actually you know what i'm saying so we right encourage people to explore that you know so yeah because no you're absolutely right yeah, absolutely right. It never used to be like that. And maybe it's more of a elitist thing that we just think we're too good for for that. I don't I don't know. But you're right. Trade schools never used to be like that. Um, point, though, that I would like to talk about that Shamork said and he said, I mean, I, I kind of get the premise and I agree a lot with what he had to say about definitely having a plan and making sure that you're strategic. The one thing that I will say is, though, he did say something about art degrees. I think that when children say, oh, I just want to be an artist. You've got to help to cultivate their mind to understand mm-hmm. what it encompasses and what all things you can do with that so they can then take that and kind of figure out exactly what it is. Because to be an artist means you could do lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be the person that's doing the graphic design? Because you, you want to be an artist because you like anime and you like, you know, animation. Like what all is encompassed in that? So I think wow. that when we say don't push people toward things oh. like that. I think we need to educate them about what that is. What, what areas they need to go into. What yeah. is in all those different things. So yeah. that's the only thing that I kind of would tweak yeah. about with what he said is, yeah, Probably. you can do art all you want, but look, this is also art. This is also art. This is also art. Where do you see yourself going? Or what specifically is it that you like about art that you want to be doing so that we can kind of like help guide them into right. a direction to get to right. a degree because we have too many people that go to college and they're like undecided until what like their junior year yeah. right right or you don't want people to pick a degree just because they think it's financially feasible and they're not happy yeah right. i'm glad you brought that back up because i didn't want that that that, 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 not my, that wasn't my intention in terms of what i was trying to say uh i, I will it was almost because because at the end of the day uh if i have children because I feel like I feel like they would be in a better position than I am if they want to truly pursue that that direction. Then, like to your point, I want to give them all of the opportunities in terms of this is the direction that you want to go and stuff like that. I was just more saying I felt like for me, and this would be personally, if I truly and even my wife, if like for example, Shanita says as a child that she was she was interested in design and, and but that was but because it wasn't looked upon as something as you know something that's profitable she was forced to go in a different direction 
of what she initially wanted to do. And then for me, I just felt like that wasn't even anything that I can actually pursue because I felt it because it wasn't something that would financially benefit me in the future. But with my child, I will hope that, and I, and, I, and this is with most races, I feel like they have the opportunity to pursue those dreams because they have the financial background there to support them. So for me, I will hope that I'm in a financial position to allow my child to pursue whatever dream they want to do, regardless of what that may be. So, so they won't be, so they won't have to accrue debt because I will be able to provide them the resources for them to do that freely without having to worry about taking care of student loans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this was a, this was a great conversation. We're going to end it here. Um, I think this is, it was a lot of jewels, the, the digital.com, uh, the use, uh, Ross brought up the capital one. I did credit karma. Uh, I think it was a lot of jewels that we can, um, take back. I know I'm going to look at that digital.com and, um, hopefully people learn financial and just a mind frame of finances. Uh, Shar, you want to take us out on our social media? Are we, are we doing this right now? Are okay. Um, let me get together. Okay. Why are you not ready? Like, um, it's like every week. Like, why don't you write it down? I keep forgetting, man. It's like, I'm sorry. Okay. Follow us at you subscribe to our YouTube channel at less of a man podcast. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at less of a man podcast. On our streaming platform, we're on we are on, on Spotify and Less of a Man podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts at the same name. We have our website www.lessofamanpodcast.com. We are on Anchor at Less of a Man podcast, and I think we have everything covered. Did I miss? <laughs> I think we have everything covered. You're you're terrible at this. But uh, did I miss anything? No, I, I think you got everything. You're just, right. okay, just choppy. Good, good. It's just too choppy. It's not smooth. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so that's going to be it for us. Um, any closing words for you guys? Nope. 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 Um, so we'll see y'all next time. Peace.